here we are showing up wholeheartedly, vulnerable, and empowered. This is Pocket Amy. I'm pretty sure the first conversation I ever had with the devil was more like a monologue on his part. I was sitting in Sunday school, minding my own business. I was 10 years old. I was racking up those little foil stars on that Sunday school chart. You know what I'm talking about? The little foil stars in all the primary colors. I was answering all the Bible trivia questions like, who remembers the name of Abraham's wife? And out of nowhere, I just heard this sinister but matter-of-fact voice that whispered in my ear, if you don't tone it down, no one is going to like you. What in the world? What in the world was I doing to warrant so much attention from the old fork-tongued accuser? I'm pretty sure I was probably winning at life in Sunday school that day or just being enthusiastic and wholehearted and inspired and Bible knowledge-y. So I wasn't doing anything wrong. That's what makes this whole thing so awful. I was probably being an awesome 10-year-old and just showing up as myself. And yet the biggest download of shame that I had ever felt in my life up to that point was inserted into that innocent little moment. I love to jokingly call Brene Brown a shame prophetess, but... The famous shame prophetess Brene Brown would definitely identify this as a shame moment. And looking back on it now, I realize that this is how shame works. Shame's at its best when it can simply make us feel like just being ourselves is somehow degrading and minimizing and something deeply and fundamentally wrong with with me. It's one thing to feel shame after doing something despicable, but I was 10 years old and just being myself, my awesome little self. I was 10 years old, but I remember this like it was yesterday. And it made very little sense back then. It didn't make any sense, actually, but it sure did shape me. I didn't even know what it really meant to tone it down. I didn't even really understand that phrase. On the other hand, I was pretty intuitive and I knew it had something to do with the fact that the goal of my life was going to be to get people to like me and to keep keep things that way. And uh, I somehow also intuitively knew that there were things that I could do to ruin that. At a formational prayer training last summer, I heard this brilliant and compassionate trauma therapist say that we all grow up under a too much or a too little lie. Uh, And if we're super lucky, we sometimes vacillate between the two. Sometimes we feel like we're too much. Sometimes we feel like we're not enough. And so it's both too much and too little. Um, But some people vacillate or lean more toward one than the other. And I definitely recognize that the too much lie was lurking around me from that moment on. I have this photo, this family photo of me where I'm exactly 10 years old and my um, sister and my mom and my nephew were cleaning out their garage and they came across this family photo where I was exactly that age. 
And it was actually very emotional and spiritual for me to see that picture because I've told this story about what happened that day in Sunday school when I was 10 years old, but I hadn't seen a photo of myself at exactly that age during that same season. And um, they had it framed for me this year for Christmas um, because it's very symbolic to me. And when I look at that photo, I just want to scream at my little amazing self and say, don't tone it down. Don't shrink yourself. Don't worry if people don't seem happy for you when, when you're successful or when they don't like you because something good happens to you or they just don't like your personality. Just don't worry about it. Don't you dare tone it down, Amy. But it's too late in some ways. I had to slug it out for quite a while with this self-sabotaging false belief system that I was too much and that I needed to curb my enthusiasm, hide my passion, or keep it a secret if I made it into the gifted class or if anything good happened to me. Add the fact that I was young, and I was a young woman, and I was a young woman in the church. So the temptation to constantly minimize myself was really, really strong. And then on top of all of that, as a classic overachiever at an Enneagram number three, some of you will know what I mean by that. I wanted to be good at everything. So I became good at this. <laughs> Isn't that counterintuitive? I became good at knowing how and when to shrink myself to please others. If people wanted me to achieve, then I was good at striving for that. But if people liked me better when I didn't stick out or rise up, then I learned how to tone it down in those situations. Man, oh man, when I think about my 10-year-old self, it's easy now for me to see how freaking amazing I was. I was chatty, but brilliant and a, quite a deep thinker, like a delightful little philosopher. I was curious and so stinking full of life. When I... When I read 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I realized that from the very beginning, a huge part of my steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord little self was fiercely connected to my wholehearted, enthusiastically giving myself fully extra fullness. I was actually created to be this big. Today, I'm starting to love all the ways in which I was created to be a freight train, a barge, large and in charge. Don't get me wrong, I love nuance and grace and elegance and quiet dignity too. And I long to be all of those things when the Lord and the situation calls for it. But I also love the parts of me that are supercharged and extra. In many, many ways, I am just now starting to see that when God calls us into a supernatural life, that means he intends for us to break through the norm, break through the natural, and add some extra and some super. Super.